0: Thank you, Harold. <coughs> it's good to see Joena Shipley back today. <laughs> Long time, pal. Hope you're back every week now and get stronger every every day. How many people saw Don and uh, Rita Wharton come forward this morning? Heard that they just, they're members of our uh, president's class, that they moved out of town and then just moved back into town. I heard 14 days ago they uh, moved over into Doug Atkins' neighborhood, so they have some friends over there. But I don't know why they're not in class. You do? They had something else. They they had something else. They're going to be here next week? That's great. They're going to join next Sunday. That'll be great. They're going to join our class next Sunday. Well, it's good to have the Browns with us. And the Foley's, Foley's by the way are members of our class, they're from Australia, but they watch our class every Sunday on PresidentsClass.org. And they told me uh, this past week that they caught up on all the lessons except last week's because they were traveling to the United States. So. I'll give you a little review of what we did last week, okay? (laughs) Now some of you asked me about Aaron down in Houston, if he and his family had any difficulties. Uh, You know, Houston got hit pretty bad, Uh, a lot of people without electricity. Dean Willis was supposed to go to his granddaughter's wedding, was that Saturday, yesterday, Dean? And you couldn't make it down there? Uh, Aaron and his family, they had just some minor damage, like fencing falling over and some small trees bent over. Uh, everybody's without electricity, but fortunately, a year ago, he and his father-in-law went in together and bought a $1,600 generator that was big enough for a, a 3,000 square foot house for everything in it. So they've got electricity. I don't know if they have gas. <laughs> I have to need gas right They will have electricity as long as they have gas. So. Anyway, uh, let's continue to pray for those people that are suffering down in Houston. Okay, let's take our Bibles and open to Luke chapter 12. Shall we? Luke chapter 12. We're going to complete this chapter. Luke chapter 12. We will begin at verse 49. And we will be going to the end of the chapter. And once you find that, let me give you a little bit of a review. For the past couple chapters, Jesus has been dealing with the crowds. He's been teaching and ministering among large groups of people who have followed him as he begins to move toward Jerusalem. In the crowds are curiosity seekers, people who are hunting for signs. Remember that? And Jesus said, don't seek after signs to those people. In the crowd are his disciples, and they are students learning from Jesus how to minister. And then there are his opponents, the religious leaders, made up of the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus warns that you don't take on the philosophy uh, of the Pharisees. He says, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is that which is typified in Scripture, something that is negative or evil, and it grows, and it swells everything that it touches. And with the Pharisees, it is their greed uh, and their self-centeredness. And he says they're hiding behind this mask. If you could rip that mask off, that mask of piety off the face of a Pharisee, you would actually see darkness there. You would see evil. But they hide their intentions and their motives behind that mask of self-righteousness. And Jesus says, beware that you don't adopt that kind of an attitude. Rather, he said, we're to serve God selflessly. Give things away. Don't don't let things, don't let your possessions possess you. Uh, Use that which has been entrusted to you by God for the kingdom of God. Use it to help other people. Because one day we're going to stand at the judgment. Remember he talked about uh, people who worked in the household and they weren't ready when their master came home. home." He talks about household stewards that were given food to take care of the people in a household. They didn't do it. They used it, what they were entrusted with, they used for their own selfish ends. And so Jesus says don't do that with your possessions because one day you'll have to stand before God. So we're going to pick up at verse 49 and we're going to divide this, the remainder of this chapter into three sections. We're going to go from 49 to 53 we're going to in that section we're going to see Jesus purpose for coming Jesus purpose for coming verses 49 through 53 and then verses 54 through 56 Jesus talks about discerning the signs of the times very interesting section and then verses 57 through 59 the necessary response that God expects from us in light of Jesus teaching Okay, so three sections. Let's look at that first one beginning at verse 49. The purpose for Jesus coming. Look what he says. Now again, notice it's all in red. This is Jesus speaking. He hasn't stopped speaking since last week. Look what he says. I came. Why did you come? Descend fire on the earth. That's a pretty straightforward statement. Now, when he says fire, he doesn't mean literal fire, calling fire down from heaven like Elijah called fire down from heaven. But when he talks about fire, he's talking about judgment. That's what the Gospel of Luke, how the Gospel of Luke uses the word fire. speaks of judgment. Today the pastor uh, quoted, and uh, Ron Harris read our scripture in Matthew, where it says, a tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and cast where? Into the fire. John the Baptist says the same thing early on in Luke. He said, the axe is put to the root And the tree is cast into the fire. And he says that's what will happen to people who have no fruit in their lives. And so Jesus says, I've come to bring judgment. I've come to the earth to send fire. And then look what he says at the end of verse 49. How I wish it were already kindled. He... Wishes that that judgment has already fallen and it was already over. Uh, which is a very interesting statement. That's his wish. How I wish it were already kindled, The judgment has already fallen. He said, I wish that it has already, would have already happened. And then in verse 50 he says, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? And the answer is, what? Well, the real answer is no, he didn't come to bring peace, but they probably supposed it. Do you suppose, like, they say, yeah, that's what we suppose. He said, well, guess what, you're wrong. See, I didn't come to bring peace. What did he say he came to do in verse 49? Fire, judgment. That sounds like it's the opposite of peace. See, so that's what he's saying. Uh, No, he didn't come to bring peace. Instead, what he comes to do is he comes to bring judgment. See, in fact, I skipped a verse, didn't I? And you failed your lesson once again. <laughs> what did I say if, if you skip, I skip a verse? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to interrupt the teacher and say, Teacher, may <laughs> Look at verse 50. Even my wife didn't say anything. She would have told me when I was in the car going home, she would have said, You know you skip verse <laughs> Okay, now look. Let's read verse 49 again. in its context. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I wish that fire has already, would have been already fallen. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. Notice, but. <clears throat> yes, but. I wish the fire had already fallen. Judgment had already come. But something must happen first. But I have a baptism with which I have to be baptized. And we know that, from Mark's gospel, that this baptism that Jesus must have refers to his death on the cross. That's how Mark describes that baptism. Something has to happen first before judgment falls on the earth. Jesus has to die on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross, where God judges him for our sins, is somehow linked to the judgment that's going to come upon the earth. Okay, now I think we can probably probably skip down to verse 51. Do you suppose that I came to bring peace on the earth? No, that's not why he came. I tell you, not at all. But look what he came to bring. I came to bring division. Division. Now in verse 49 he says he came to bring fire in verse 51 he came to bring division two things that Jesus wanted to accomplish his purpose for coming to earth judgment and division now at the end of verse 50 he said how I'm distressed how distressed I am till it is accomplished Now, this is very interesting. Jesus is distressed at two points. He says, I came to bring judgment. It hasn't fallen yet, but I wish it had. First, I have to die on the cross. I have to receive this baptism. And he says at the end of verse uh, 50, I'm distressed until it's accomplished. Jesus is distressed. He's distressed at two things. He longs for judgment to fall and it hasn't fallen. He longs to... He baptized with his baptism, which is the cross, and that hasn't happened. But he longs for both of those to happen at this point. Sort of strange, isn't it? He longs for judgment and he longs for his own death. He says, I'm distressed. Isn't that what he said at the end of verse 50? Or verse 40? Yeah, verse 50. How I'm distressed until it's accomplished. See? Uh, He wants to get it over with. It's hanging over him. Have you ever been in a situation where you were faced with a situation that you just wanted to get it over with? You just wanted to get it accomplished? In other words, maybe you're going to have an operation. It doesn't look good. You don't want to do it. It's not fun. You just want to get it over with. Why? Because once you get it over with, things are going to get better. Or The dentist says you need a root canal. You don't quite look forward to it, but you just want to get that thing over with. You wish you could get it over with. That's what is happening here in Jesus' life. There's anguish. What he, what he is anguished over are things that are necessary. They have to be done. See? So he says in verse 51, Do you suppose that I came to bring peace? And the answer is, No, he didn't come to bring peace. He said, I've come to bring division. So it's very interesting. Uh, he comes to bring judgment, and he comes to bring division. Now, earlier on in Luke's Gospel... Uh, Simeon, when Jesus is dedicated in the temple and Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to Simeon, Simeon has a prophecy. And he said, this young child will one day grow up for the rising and falling of many and he will yield a sword, in a sense. And it will cut into people's hearts. He said, Mary, it will cut into your heart. And it will just split people. It It will reveal their intentions whether they are for the kingdom of God or whether they're against the kingdom of God. And as a result, it will divide humankind. So Simeon talks about that. And John the Baptist does as well. He talks about Jesus, who will, watch this, separate the wheat from the chaff. What is that, separation? That's division. He said, do you think I've come to bring peace? No, I've come to bring division. Watch, John the Baptist says, when Jesus comes, he will separate, he will divide Wheat from the chaff. Now watch. The wheat he will gather into his barns. He will gather the wheat. The chaff he will throw where? Into the fire. So notice how the division is linked to the judgment. You see that? Some, the wheat, the real thing, those who are really committed to the kingdom of God, those are going to be gathered to God. But the chaff, what's chaff? Looks like the real thing, but it's not. Look, the Pharisees. Look at my mask. Looks like the real thing. Strip it away. It's not. That will be cast into the fire. So Christ comes to divide between the true and false believer and then to the judge, the false believer. So that's what we have here. Now I'm going to try to get straight on these scriptures. you you've got me so nervous. <laughs> so what happens when I have a member from Australia come to see their <laughs> Now, look at verse 50, 52. Look at this. For from now on, he's going to talk about this division. Watch this. From now on, five in one house will be divided. In a single home, a family will be divided. Three against two, And two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. And mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So you wonder why you have in-law problems. Here's the exact reason Jesus said he came to divide mother and daughter-in-law. See, that's right here. The Bible has all the answers. But it's not talking about that kind of division, is it? That you don't get along with your daughter-in-law. It's talking about people who are committed to the kingdom and those who aren't. And even families will be divided. Now, you see that daughter-in-law and mother? Hey, this is not something new. When Jesus made that statement, the apostles' minds just began to race. They had heard that somewhere before. You know where they heard it? Micah. Micah. Now, I want you to turn to Micah to find Malachi and go back about five books or so, and you'll find Micah. And when you get to Micah, go to Micah chapter 7. Jesus says the division is happening and therefore the judgment is near. Even families will be divided. Two against three and three against two. Micah chapter 7. And when you get to Micah chapter 7, the prophet is talking about Israel and probably the end times. And the punishment that's to come. You see at the end of verse 4 he talks about punishment. And then in verse 6. Micah 7 and verse 6. Look what he says. The father. The son dishonors. The father. The daughter rises against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Jesus is quoting that verse. Therefore, Micah says, I look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And so what we have here is we have uh, a verse that talks about division, Division in households. And that is a sign that salvation is here. The real believer is gathered in. The false believer is judged, which is the ultimate division. So, the sign of divided households over the gospel is the mark that judgment is near. And Jesus, in the person of Jesus, this prophecy is being fulfilled right in their hearing. Right in their hearing, it's being fulfilled. Judgment's near. So Jesus has a divine mission. He was sent by God, a divine mission. But he also has a dividing mission. And he's come to divide people. So that ends that first section. Now, go back to Luke chapter 12. Very interesting verse there, wasn't it? And let's look at the second section. Discerning the signs of the times. Now, remember what's just been said. Judgment's near. I wish it were here already. I have to die on the cross. I wish that were over. I don't look forward to that. I wish that whole thing was over with. And I've not come to bring peace on earth. I've come to divide families over this kingdom issue. Now, section 2, verses 54 through 56. Discerning the sign of the time. Look at verse 54. Then he said to the multitudes... Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, oh, there will be hot weather. And there is. Now, what Jesus is describing here are weather conditions that are unique to Palestine, and especially to the area in and around Judea. Because to Palestine's west is the Mediterranean Sea. And of course, off the Mediterranean Sea comes moisture. And if you see a cloud rising in the west, you know that rain is coming. And it does. And to Palestine's south is the Negev, the desert. And when the wind starts blowing from the west, You know something, a parching heat is coming, and it does, and that temperature can rise 30 degrees in 30 minutes once that southern wind begins to blow. Now, this was a saying that every Jew understood, and these were signs that every Jew could read. Uh, There was a poem uh, that the Jews said, and I'm going to try to give you the best translation that you could give of the poem in English, but it goes something like this. When in the west the sky is gray, one can expect a rainy day. But when the south wind begins to blow, you can say some scorching heat is on its way. Every person that lived in Palestine could read those signs. If there's a cloud from the west, rain's coming, a wind from the south, Scorching heat is coming. Everybody could read that. Just like we've had Hurricane Ike. And guess what? We could all look at the chart on television, the weather station. And it didn't take a brain surgeon to see the direction of Ike. It was right there on your screen. And there are scientists, aren't there? Meteorologists who can read the signs, and they can tell what direction it's going to go and what speed it's going to go and where it's going to hit. It's so accurate. It's unbelievable, isn't it? That they can give you days of warning. They don't miss those signs. And now we've got the radar and every other kind of dar that there is out there, and we can tell the pattern, the direction of a tornado when it comes through Texas, and it says it's going to hit Garland a certain hour, minute. <laughs> tell you the minute. And sure enough, you look and say, oh, it's supposed to hit, you know, 626. Now it's 625. You start hearing the wind. Guess what you do? You go get into a room. (laughs) So every person in Palestine could read the signs. Now look at verse 56. Look what Jesus says. Hypocrites! You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this Time, which means the time that's at hand, the time of judgment. How is it that you can't discern the judgments at hand? How is it that a person can read a blueprint? How is it that a person can read and explain and understand a recipe? How is it that a person can read a stock market ticker tape? But they can't read. The signs, the judgment is near. How is that? We should be able to read the signs. But we can't do it. The judgment and salvation is near. Now notice what he calls them. He calls them what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. He's talking to the crowd. He says, hypocrites. Now, why is that? What is a hypocrite? It's a person who claims one thing, but it's something different than they claim. They claim to follow God. They claim to be spiritual people. Well, if that's the case, why can't you read the signs of the judgment's there? That he's going to divide. There's going to be a gathering into of the saints and a separation of the eights. And one's going to burn. The other's going to have salvation. See, you're hypocrites. Why is it that Christians have to come up and say to me, Uh, Dr. Street, is Jehovah's Witnesses a cult? <laughs> Mormons a cult? I feel like saying, can't you tell? Or maybe I should, why can't you tell? Amen. There's something wrong when you can't tell that. When you can, when you can read the stock market page, and you understand it, and you can't understand whether this group's a call or not, something's wrong. See, it speaks to us that we're religious, but we're not kingdom citizens. See, how is it? That's the question that Jesus asked. How is it that we don't have the ability to do that? Maybe it's because we're hiding behind a religious mask, and if someone were able to Strip the mass back they would actually see what's inside of us the real person and we would be exposed for what we are so at least that's how Jesus interpreted to his crowd and so Jesus is definitely in a mixed crowd and there are certainly some real believers there But he's probably talking to that crowd in general. So now we come to the third section What should we do in light of that response? Okay, what should we do? How should we respond in light of what Jesus just said? Look at verse 57. Yes, Jesus says, and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? Why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? Now the emphasis there is on the yourselves. He's saying something like this. Why is it that you have to... uh, Look to the Pharisees to give you answers, or look here to give you answers, or look there. Why is it that of yourselves, just by yourself, you can't determine what's right and what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Why can't you think for yourself? That's what he's saying, is why, in light of what's going to happen, can't you think for yourself? Why are you going with this crowd? Remember he said, beware of the leaven, of who? Don't go that way, don't, don't go with the crowd. think for yourself. Think for yourself. And now he gives an analogy. He gives an illustration in verse 58. He says, when you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison. Now, what's Jesus doing? Why in the world is he telling this story? He just sort of pops it right down there. He has a point. Here is the scenario. It's a picture. Jesus says, you're being sued for wrongdoing. You've done something wrong, and maybe you owe a debt that you haven't paid, and you're being sued for wrongdoing. So, what does Jesus say? In that situation, you have a choice. Would you say that? You can settle with your accuser, the one who's taking you to court. Or, and you can get this issue resolved, you can be reconciled to him. Or you can go to court, and Jesus says, when that happens, you'll, you'll be put in jail. That's your choices. You say, but uh, I'll take my chances before the court. Yeah, but you're guilty. You see, you're guilty. Uh, Why would you go before the court if you're guilty? Wouldn't you be better off just settling? See? That's what Jesus... And Jesus says, hey, common sense tells you to settle. And guess what? Everyone who's guilty, and they they have you red-handed. You know you're guilty. Common sense will tell you to settle lest you end up being thrown in jail. Look at verse 59. I tell you, if you get thrown in jail, look what he says. I tell you, you shall not depart from there if you get thrown in jail, till you have paid the very last mite or penny. In other words, if you decide to go to jail or face the court and you're found guilty, you will be thrown in jail and you will pay every last cent you owe. There'll be no mercy on you. You could have settled. See? It's always better if you're guilty. Always better to settle before you go to trial. Jesus says, Can't you see what time it is? It's time for judgment. And you're guilty. You're guilty before God. Can't you see the time? It's happening. You're better off saying God, I'll settle with you right now. I want to be reconciled with you right now. Rather than face God because if you face God and you go to the trial, God will hold you responsible for every last sin that you've committed. Every one. There won't be one might in the real courts or one sin that you won't pay for in the end. Every last one. So what's the option? Be reconciled with God now. Settle right now. Make peace with God while there is still time. How do you do that? You throw yourself upon the mercy of the court. Amen. You settle right now with God. You say, I am so sorry for what I've done against you. Just like you would say with this guy, who you I'm so sorry I didn't pay that debt. And you ask for forgiveness and you settle with God now before you have to face him as a judge. If you settle with him now, you will be gathered into the barn. Amen. But if you don't settle, you'll be judged and cast into the fire. And you have to do it. What does he say? Do it now? I think he said so. He says you were to do it right now. See, right now we should be doing that. Why? Because you'll reach a point of no return. If you put it off, you reach the point of no return. Just like with Hurricane I. They said there's a point where you can get out, and guess what? After that, it's too late. (laughs) You just face the consequences. You've reached the point of no return. So what Jesus is saying to this crowd Uh, Many of whom are hypocrites, many of whom want signs. He says, no, you don't need any more signs. Discern what's happening right now. Judgment's about to fall. You need to be reconciled with God right now. You need to cut that deal now. So we, as a class and as human beings, are just like these people here in many ways. We can read all the signs around us, whether it's weather signs, financial signs, And we make decisions every day based on this ability to discern. Can we discern the time in God's plan? If we can't, we should say, why can't I understand this? Why can't I discern it? If we can discern that, then we would say, guess what? Judgment is always at hand. In fact, none of us know that we can live the next second. And then guess what? Too late. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. So we need to be able to read the signs of the time. And so with that, Jesus finishes chapter 12, but he's not really finished in the discussion because he will then go on to say, in verse 13 it says, And there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans. Somebody just brings up a statement to Jesus about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And uh, Jesus says, well, why do you think these people were put to death by Pilate? Because they were bad people? And we'll see this next week. And he says, no, he said they were just people. But Pilate judged them. But notice the bottom line at the end of verse 5. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So Jesus is now going to go into this whole issue about judgment and the need for us to repent, and we need to do it immediately. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look at this word and we can can apply it to our own lives. That we, in many ways, especially church people, uh, are in danger of hiding behind a mask. And uh, we, are, in many ways, are like the crowd. We have uh, we've fallen into the trap. We've bought into the philosophy of the Pharisees rather than the philosophy of Jesus. And we have accumulated more for ourselves than we ought. And we have not been faithful with what you've entrusted us. We have just piled it on for ourselves and our own families instead of meeting other people's needs. And uh, we need to realize that when we see what our lives are really like, when when we strip everything away and we see what our lives are really like, uh, maybe we're more like the Pharisees than Jesus and the apostles. Lord, that should be a wake-up call. We should be able to discern that. That is a sword that cuts and reveal cuts deep into our hearts and it reveals our motives. It reveals what side we are on the side of the wheat or the side of the chaff. Lord, that is a sign that even divides us and our family members. Uh, Lord, help us to take whatever action is necessary to get on the right side. Help us, Lord, to to repent of our sins, make an about face, turn to you, give our full allegiance to you, and be faithful to you uh, as we serve you and the gospel and the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.